Well, welcome everyone. Thanks again for being here with us. Uh, a lot of new and newer faces with us today, and that's great because a lot of our people are a lot of different places right now. I know we have family down in Mexico right now and people traveling all over, which is exciting. Just a reminder to those of you that are here on a regular or semi-regular basis, this is a guilt-free zone, and that means when you travel, you love it. Uh, go and have fun with family. Uh, don't you worry about us here. Uh, and next week, we'll be together again, right? We love that. Um, we've been taking selfies this summer, and so if you have a great selfie from some unique location or fun thing you did, shoot it our way so that we can kind of circulate uh, where we've been and what we've been doing over the course of the summer. So if you've been with us um, uh, for the last little while, you know that we've been studying through the book of Acts. Now the book of Acts in the New Testament, it's the fifth book there in the New Testament. Um, it's, a, it's the second in a two-part series. A man named Luke, uh, in the first century, he said, uh, I've sat down and carefully examined this, I've sat with the eyewitnesses, and I've made it my goal to drop an account of the life of Jesus. So the book of Luke uh, is the first in his series, and, and, uh, and he writes the story of Jesus' life, death, and burial, and resurrection. And then uh, the, his second part is this book of Acts that we've been studying. Now, the book of Acts tells the beginning of the church, how the church began, and it tells of the uh, Holy Spirit working powerfully, and this, this movement growing um, in, in the first century of, of people that believed in this man named Jesus. And, and they believed that that Jesus had actually risen from the dead and, and that there was hope in this gospel message that they began to spread around. And today, it turns out, we are concluding our series in the book of Acts. We are finishing up uh, at the end of Acts today. So if you've not been with us, uh, there's going to be plenty of review, uh, so you'll get kind of a feel for where we've been. Um, and, uh, and so we'll get to that conclusion in a few minutes. Um, but I want to start here. Have you ever watched a movie that just didn't conclude? Like, I don't know what your favorite genre of movie is, if it's action movie or, you know, some uh, romantic comedy or, you know, what kind of movies you like, but don't you love it at the end of the movie, after all of the turmoil and all of the chaos and all of the twists and turns in the movie, when it all comes together and they tie a bow on it and you feel like, oh, wow, look at that, it's complete. Um, not every movie ends that way, though, right? Every once in a while, you get this rogue uh, director who wants to create a movie that just messes with your head. And I was trying to think of the last time I saw one of those. And I'm pretty bad, actually, at remembering movies and, and, uh, and, and trying to do this. But I, I remembered feeling a little bit discontent, a little bit of discontent, uh, watching The Life of Pi. Do you guys remember that? It's five years ago. If you have, uh, if, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you, but it's five years old, so I'm not going to assume that's too much of a problem. But I remember watching that movie, and uh, and at the end, there, it's, it kind of revolves around this um, interview, a, a journalist or, or an author is wanting to write a great story, and he sits with this, um, this grown man named Pi who's telling the story of his childhood, and he tells this story of uh, a shipwreck. He and his family are on a boat, and there's a shipwreck, and he ends up on a life raft with a tiger, and, um, and it's the story of him surviving uh, with this tiger on a life raft, and, uh, but he says, you know, after he's told this whole story about the animals and all, he says, but the, the investigators that wanted to know how and why the, the boat sank, um, they, they wouldn't accept that story. They said, we need something more believable. 
We need something different. And so he told kind of a parallel story about his mother and the cook and a couple other people that were on this raft, and, and he was the only one that ended up surviving. And, and the, the author, the, the journalist, he asked, so which one's the true one? You know, what, what, what am I to do with this? And Pi says, let me ask you a question. Which story did you like more? And, uh, and he says, well, the one with the animals. And, and that's kind of it. Like, you don't get the conclusion, you don't get the, so, so what's real and what's Pi really sticking behind and what is his story? But he tells a fascinating story and it draws a lot of interesting theological reflections and, and raises some questions in there for us as the movie com- concludes. Um, but then, you know, after, after it's all over, he's finished his story, Pi says to the journalist, he says, uh, my wife's here uh, and she's a wonderful cook, do you want to stay and have a meal? And the author says, oh, so there's a happy ending to the story. He says, good. So, and and Pi says, uh, well, actually, that's up to you. The story's yours now. Like, he's just handed over his story. Read it how you want. Interpret it how you want. Finish it however you want. It's like he's just given this this dramatic and incredible story to this journalist. And and instead of saying, yeah, it's a happy ending. I'm married and I have kids and and, and we're living happily, he says, Hey, it's your story. It's all yours. And I remember feeling like, man, I want the conclusion. I, I missed it. And, and maybe a part of me enjoys that because we get to imagine and dream up what it could be. But it felt like it just didn't come to closure for me. And I think we might find a pretty similar experience as we close out the book of Acts today. Okay, if, if, uh, if we asked all of our Christian, uh, friends, you know, that have been going to church for years, say, how does, how does the book of Acts end? You can try this with a friend this week. Uh, I think the vast majority of us would say, I really don't know. And maybe that's because it doesn't really end. There's no bow tied on the end of it that finishes it out. But we're going to explore it today, and we're going to, we're going to ask God to, to guide us and, and to give us some insight as to, to what it means, the way it ends, and why, and what it means in our lives today. So here we are in the book of Acts, and I'm going to walk back through it. We've created a little bit of a slideshow uh, to kind of get a feel for it. Um, but I want to walk back through, I want to look at the big picture of Acts. You know, when we come here each week, we're here one week and not the next and whatever, we catch glimpses and pieces of it. But I want to walk through the book of Acts today and kind of just understand this flow and this larger narrative that this man Luke was trying to tell. So the book of Acts in the first chapter, it begins with Jesus' ascension, the story of Jesus having appeared to hundreds of his followers who's then uh, lifted up out of their sight, right? And, and he's told them, I want you to wait on what is to come because in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit comes. Now they're there in Jerusalem and, and there's tens of thousands of Jewish people from all over the world that have come back to Jerusalem for Pentecost. And Pentecost is this um, really important feast and meal uh, that, that the Israelite people come together for each year. So uh, tens of thousands of people from all over the world, the Jewish people are now dispersed throughout the world, and uh, they've come back to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit comes on the 12 apostles. They begin speaking in other languages, and these Jews from all over the world, they hear uh, their languages being spoken, and they hear this message of hope and forgiveness in Jesus, and, and on that day, over 3,000 people come to believe in Jesus and his resurrection and are baptized and become a part of this this new movement and this church. 
Well, in chapters 3 and 4, Acts begins to tell the story of a man named Peter. Now, Peter was one of the apostles and kind of one of the central apostles. Peter was the one that Jesus said, uh, your name is Peter, and, and on you, on this rock, I will build my church. And it's kind of a play on words. His name meant uh, rock. And, and so he says, Peter, on you, I'll build this church. And so, uh, though some would interpret that really literally, the Catholic Church does, and, you know, St. Peter's Basilica is at the center of it. Um, uh, others would say, you know, Peter played a central role for sure in the beginning of the church. In, in Acts chapters 3 and 4, we read of him healing and preaching um, and, uh, and teaching, and, and people are, Jewish people here in Jerusalem are, are beginning to believe in this message of Jesus. But of course, it's not long before uh, they begin to meet opposition. And so in the fourth chapter of Acts, uh, the uh, Jewish leaders call Peter in and they say, what are you talking about? We have all our traditions, we have all of our laws, it's all simple and laid out, and you're kind of making a mess of it, right, with this new message about this Jesus guy. Uh, and, and so he defends himself before them. In Acts chapter 6, uh, the Spirit uh, is working powerfully amongst the church. Uh, all of the apostles and followers of Jesus are, are healing and teaching, and, and powerful things are happening. We see some, uh, in, in uh, chapter 6 there, we see uh, it's called the choosing of the seven is, is what we often talk about. And, uh, you know, as the church begins to grow, problems begin to exist within it. And so organization starts to come into play, and they assign different people for different tasks to uh, to operate well and to support each other well. And then in chapters 5, five through 8, uh, we see the persecution against the church begin. And uh, it began with a persecution from within, uh, the Jewish leaders trying to stamp out uh, this newly forming church. Throughout the book of Acts, the church is called The Way. And, uh, and so the, the Jewish leaders are, are trying to stamp out uh, the way, the people that are, that are following Jesus and teaching these messages. And so we read, read of the stoning of a man named Stephen. He was one of those seven chosen men. And, um, and we read of, of his death and, and the persecution that's, that's playing out here in Israel in the first century. And uh, we read of a man named Saul, and Saul had made it his goal to stamp out this new church, and he was extremely zealous, extremely passionate about his task. And then in chapter 8, uh, we read this fascinating little story in the flow. Realize that at this point, we've been talking entirely about the Israelite nation, um, a, a sect of Judaism has come to believe in Jesus, and the church has begun to grow amongst the Israelite people. And in chapter 8, we hear this fascinating story of the first um, Gentile, the first outsider convert, and it's, a, it's an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a man who had come to Jerusalem wanting to learn more about God, but was now leaving Jerusalem, um, headed back home, reading the scroll of Isaiah, having no clue what he was was reading. He'd been rejected at the temple as a eunuch he couldn't enter, as a foreigner he couldn't enter. I mean, like, every check is marked against this guy. You know, he, he's got no place in this Israelite community. And so he's leaving um, uh, kind of lost, having not experienced what he was to. And this man named Philip, a follower of Jesus comes up beside him and he says, hey, do you know what you're reading there? Does that make any sense, that book of Isaiah that you're reading? And uh, he says, no, how can I understand it if no one will explain it to me? I came to your people and, and no one explained it to me. 
And so Philip goes on to tell him about Jesus and the hope found in him. And, and this Ethiopian eunuch, um, uh, he, he sees a pool of water and he says, hey, what's to stop me from being baptized? And by the way, the answer is everything. Like, you're the furthest from, you know, anything that is right and proper in Israelite culture. But, but Philip says... Why shouldn't you be baptized? And so we see this first uh, movement of this Christian faith to, to expand beyond the Jewish people in chapter 8. In chapter 9, remember that guy named Saul we were talking about? Well, Saul encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he comes to believe in Jesus. And just as zealous as Saul was about stamping out the church, he will become as zealous in spreading the good news about Jesus. And so um, Saul, soon his name will be Paul, is about to revolutionize uh, the, the, the Christian faith, this growing church that is. But, but the story kind of um, takes a, a sidestep and says, but what's happening back with Peter? Remember those original 12 guys, and I'm going to build my church on this. And so in chapter 9, uh, I'm sorry, 10 and 11 of Acts, uh, we, we see this experience that Peter is having. Um, like the Jew of Jews, right? Peter, one of the 12 apostles, and he receives this vision. And in his vision, he sees like a sheet let down from heaven. And, uh, and, and God tells him, go ahead and take and eat. And he says, no, those are unclean animals. As an Israelite, it's totally wrong and I cannot eat those. But God repeats it and repeats it. And, and God says to him, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And at that moment, um, some messengers of a man named Cornelius, a Roman centurion, the Romans were the enemies of uh, all the nations that they had conquered, including the Israelites, right? Uh, a, a ruler in the Roman army uh, has sent men saying, come to my house. And so Peter, again, breaks all these Jewish laws. He'd received this vision from God, and he says, okay, God's telling me to go. And so he goes and he eats in this man's home and he witnesses the Holy Spirit working powerfully in the life of a Roman man, someone outside of this circle, but the Spirit is at work. And so Peter and his companions, they baptize that man that day. And Peter's left with all sorts of questions. Um, uh, in, in fact, Peter's going to have to answer for how and why he did that because this faith uh, the story of Jesus, this gospel, this, this hope in resurrection was so powerful that it would not stay confined where it began. It was beginning to spread and rapidly. The church in chapter 12 is continuing to experience persecution, now not just from Jerusalem, or not just from Israel, uh, but from Rome as well. Uh, it, it's starting to shake up other cities and things are happening. And, and so Rome uh, and Roman rulers and the law is starting to get involved at this point. In chapters 13 through 14, we see the first of Paul's missionary journeys. Remember that guy that was super zealous about stamping out the church is now a believer in Jesus and he's out beginning to spread. And so he goes on these three missionary journeys that are recorded in Acts and two later on in his life. Um, but but on his first missionary journey, he goes out and and people everywhere are beginning to believe in this man, Jesus. And so Jerusalem, uh, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, including Peter and, and all them, they call him back and they say, what is going on here and what are we going to do about this? This has always been a Jewish thing. And in Acts chapter 15, maybe the pivotal moment in Acts, and if you've been reading Acts kind of all your life or heard about Acts all your life in church, um, to miss the shift that takes place in 15 um, it is tragic, and I'd missed it most of my life. You see, what was a Jewish faith in chapter 15, this council comes together and they say, you know what? From here on out, you don't have to be a Jew to follow Jesus. 
People will be accepted just as they are. And friends, we are the recipients of that, right? We're not that inner circle. We are the Gentiles. We are the other nations and the other people on the other side of the earth. And this council came together and they said, you know what, Micah or, or you can come to believe in Jesus who they, as who they are. Right? And so, so a pivotal moment in Acts chapter 15. Um, beyond that, Paul goes on two more missionary journeys, fascinating experience in Athens uh, on his second journey where he sees um, many gods and this unknown God. And uh, he says, let me tell you more about this unknown God that you have a statue to. And it uh, tells him about God and about Jesus and the hope in him. Goes on his third missionary journey, ends up in Ephesus for a long time, which is kind of um, a pivotal city in the beginning of the church. Church. And then we come to uh, what's going to begin to conclude uh, Acts. But rather than ending in like this climactic moment, it's almost like it starts to fizzle at this point. Like the story, the narrative, the way it plays out. And in chapter 21, uh, Paul's arrested by the Jewish leaders, right? Uh, this is getting out of hand. And, and so Paul is arrested. And Paul makes this defense before the Jewish leaders. Um, and, and I thought it's interesting. So I just wanted to notice it briefly. He says this. He says, I'm a Jew, right? He's speaking to Jewish people. He says, I am a Jew, but I experienced Jesus. And I have experienced new life found in Jesus. I, I'm a different person than I was. And he says, and I was sent by God to the Gentiles. This is his defense. It's not some big philosophical argument. It's not all his theology on what God is or could be doing in this moment. No, it's, it's this. I'm like you, but I experienced Jesus and it changed me. And because of that, I'm living differently. And I wonder, I was just contemplating this point. Um, I wonder what it would look like in our lives to have a similar drive in life and like a, a similar focus and simplicity. And, and it, it would apply a lot of different ways in our lives. You know, I'm, I'm an American. I'm uh, a, an employee of the same organization as you, right? I'm a father. Um, uh, I'm all these different things. But I've experienced Jesus, and it's changed me in some way. And he has called me to something more, right? I've been sent to. I wonder what it would look like. Like, this was so motivational. This, this was so huge in Paul's life that it changed absolutely the course of his life. He knew so clearly, I am called to these people, and therefore I go. He experienced persecution. He was, he was stoned and flogged, and all these things happened to him. But he knew very clearly that though I am a Jew, I have experienced Jesus, and it's changed me. And I wonder if, like, you know, a hundred of us were to say, um, you know what, I am who I am, but my experience with Jesus has changed me. And therefore, I have been called to something. Can you imagine what happens? Well, we can imagine because we've seen it. What happens in the world when a number of people say they experience Jesus, are transformed by him, and then say, so I'm going to live differently. Beautiful and powerful things begin to happen. So Paul, he is defending himself against the Jews. He's passed on into Roman custody. Um, and uh, the Roman officials say, hey, there's no charge against this guy. We got to just let him go. Eventually, he's up under uh, being seen by King Agrippa um, and, and making his case. And he says to this king, king, I wish you could be like me. I wish you could know Jesus. And he's sitting there in chains, right? He even says, 
Aside from these chains, I wish you could be like me, right, to a king. And, uh, and, and the king says, you're crazy, whatever, uh, but there's no charge against you. Um, and, and so Paul's about to be released uh, back to the Jewish people who will probably kill him, and he appeals to the emperor. He says, I want to bring my case before the emperor. So he's sent to Rome, and for the next two years, Paul ends up uh, there in Rome, living in a home under house arrest, but in his own home that he's able to furnish. People are able to come and go, okay, so here's the end of the book of Acts. Here's the text that we would be working with should we um, exclusively be in it. Acts chapter 28, uh, verses 25 through 31, finishes out the book. Um, uh, of Acts here. It says this, um, Paul is speaking to Jewish people there in Rome, because remember, Israel people are living throughout the world at this point. So he's talking to the church, the, the synagogue leaders there in Rome, and, and, and not to the church, I'm sorry, to the Jewish leaders there in Rome. And he says, you're just like uh, your forefathers. Isaiah said this to them, and it applies to you. He, he said this to the Jewish people there. He said, um, God said, go to all the people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. And they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Let it be known to you then that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And that's the story of the church playing, all right? One, two last verse, a couple last verses as it finishes out. Uh, he, Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the end of the book of Acts. Right? And, and there's this incompleteness to it. Right? There's a sense in me that says, I want to know more. Like, Paul's just going to hang out there the rest of his life? Well, no, that's not how it played out. But for whatever reason, that's the place the story and the book ended. You see, beyond the book of Acts, we know this from historical records and from like the letters following Acts is going to be these letters he's writing to the churches. So you piece it together and, and you know that he was released from prison after a couple years there in Rome. Uh, he went on three, no, two other missionary journeys over the course of the next three years, uh, continued traveling and, and doing his mission work and revisiting the churches that, that he had established. Um, and, and he was imprisoned again brought back to Rome where he was martyred, where he was killed under Nero. And Nero was pretty famous for his persecution of, of Christians. Uh, so Paul ended up dying back in Rome years later after other missionary trips. Um, and so, so there's this interesting incompleteness in the book of Acts. Uh, the church has begun, and the church is going to continue. Uh, but the church, uh, flawed by human reason and just our frailty, uh, had has a fascinating journey. Um, you know, the early church met in homes, what we read of in, in the New Testament, met in homes, and they sat around a table, and as they broke bread, they remembered Jesus, right? We remember it in communion uh, in the ways we gather. And, and so they met in homes, but in 313 A.D., uh, Constantine, 
Constantine, an emperor, uh, becomes a Christian. And all of a sudden, the shape of Christendom begins to change. Instead of these home groups built around families and meeting, you know, in these, in these um, just intimate ways, all of a sudden, you start building huge cathedrals and places of worship that are sanctioned by the government. And instead of sharing a table and sitting around looking eye to eye, you start to build these long hallways with one person standing up top and speaking, right? The nature of things began to change. Um, through, the, through the Middle Age and the Enlightenment eras, tragic stories of crusades and, and, and harmful things, horrible things, and yet also very beautiful things. You see people caring for the poor in the name of Jesus and, and healing and incredible things. You see, the journey has been on this fascinating, or the church has been on this fascinating journey over the course of the last 2,000 years. And here we find ourselves sitting, I guess it's an elementary school preschool, not exactly a church, uh, or an elementary school cafeteria. Um, but here we find ourselves 2,000 years later, sitting and talking about the same Jesus guy, asking the questions of what is the church to be? Like, like what is next? And as central as Christianity feels to America or to the Western world, uh, there's a fascinating trend that I just have to mention, and we won't get to, we won't get to talk about this in detail, but um, right now in our lifetime, we will witness the gravity, like the weight of Christendom shift increasingly from the north, from the Western world, to the southern hemisphere, to Africa and South America, where uh, Christianity is thriving. And there's this fascinating opportunity amongst us Westerners uh, against uh, of um, Americans to begin to listen to the voice of God and the Spirit at work in the church in a different region than our own. Like, that we get to be learners rather than always the goers and the senders and the decision makers of it all. And if I had time, we'd talk about liberation theology and some of the beautiful things that are happening uh, because of this shift in Christianity and and the growth of Christianity in um, the southern hemisphere of the world. So we live in a fascinating era. The church has been uh, in flux, always revolving around this simple gospel message that Jesus rose from the dead and we have hope as well. So amongst all times, we have that in common. Today, the church uh, is, is thriving throughout the world, in the global south for sure, but in the tri-cities as well. And um, uh, incredible things happening in churches throughout the tri-cities. I think of, uh, you know, a number of 10-year-old church plants, the living room and um, uh East Lake and these churches that are thriving and growing and just awesome things happening. Love it. Uh, the way they care so deeply for their neighborhoods and their community and people. And we, being one of the very newest churches in the Tri-Cities, get to participate in this much greater story of what God's doing, as though we had something exclusive, right? Uh, so many churches doing incredible things, uh, and we're seeing God continue to move and reshape communities today. So here we are at the end of Acts saying it just, the story felt incomplete. Why did it end the way that it did? And maybe it's because there's a beautiful opportunity in the lack of a, a bow tying it up and being done with it. See, the fact is the church is continuing today. You remember that story in the, in the life of Pi? Remember the journalist says, so your story does have an happy, happy ending. And Pi says, well, that's up to you. The story is yours now. And isn't that exactly what happens in the book of Acts? 
it ends, but, but not with a conclusion. Instead, the, the message today is the story is yours now. Like, we are the church, not like some institution. Don't think church in that sense, but you and I, the people, we are the church. And in in our hands is the next chapters of a story that began long before us, that will continue far beyond us. And the question is, what will we do with the story that's been handed to us? How will it be lived out in our lives? What stories will be told and what will be written by the ways that we learn to love because Jesus loved us? What will be different in our lives because, like, God so radically loved me that he transformed me, right? And I have become a part of the church, and I have opportunity to share that blessing with the world around me. I'll read one last passage as, as we begin to close out. First um, Timothy chapter 1, and this is Paul speaking of his experience. Remember that, that I, this is that idea of, you know, I was the least, but I was invited in. I am a participant in, in something much bigger of what God is doing in the world around me. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I am grateful to Jesus Christ our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. uh, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But for that reason, I receive mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. So often as we read through Scripture, it's easy to uh, look at the characters uh, that are in the text and think that they are the primary point being made. But ultimately, the story of Scripture, the story of church, the story of our lives is about a much bigger story. That's a story of a God that loves his people, that loves his good creation and desires to restore it. And today, I, I hope we've just caught this glimpse of the story continues. Though the book of Acts ends at chapter 28, the story of Acts continues today, and we are a part of it. Like we are the church and invited to participate in the chapters to come. So the question we, we leave ourselves with will, is, is what will our story be? How will we play into this greater story of what God is doing in the world around us? We are the church. It didn't begin with us. It doesn't end with us. But we have been invited to participate in God's good work. Let's pray about that. Father God, thank you for this day and thank you for a time to come together. And Father, we come from many different places in life, uh, many different places in our faith journeys. Uh, Father, I thank you that, that you have chosen us like, like Paul, though some of us would say, man, we are, we are the, the furthest thing from uh, the life of Jesus and living like him. God, I thank you that you've chosen us, that you brought us here today in this moment. And so, Father, I pray that you will remind us of your love and your goodness, uh, the transformative work that you do in our lives. Father, thank you for that. And Father, as we continue to live out our lives, 
Thank you that you've invited us into a story far bigger than ourselves. God, I pray that you will help us um, to reflect, to take time to consider uh, what does it mean to live into this great story of, of your redemption, your love for the world, to participate in what you're doing. God, thank you for that huge calling. Give us courage, give us faith as we choose to engage it. That's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.